Okay, away we go. Good morning, and welcome to what I assume, assume, expect is the first of two shiurim on Ksuvos Yud Gimel Amad Aleph, uh, Amad Aleph Amad Base, I should say. Um, our topic is Ra'uah Medaberes, the Mishnah in which we talk about a case in which a woman is seen, according to the language of the Mishnah, talking to a man. At this stage, we don't know if she is single or she is married. We don't know the nature of the man she is talking to. Um, but uh, she is asked about this man. She says, this is a man with fine yichus. He has fine lineage. Don't worry about anything. And um, and then we have the debate between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Eliezer on the one side, Rabbi Yeshua on the other side, as to her credibility to testify to the yichus of this man she was, again, talking to. We'll have to clarify what talking means. Um, and uh, what, what this is going to take us into um, is issues of chazaka a little bit, issues of rov um, a little bit, um, and, um, well, a lot more that, uh, that goes along with it. But at least that's the case that we're going to be starting with. Um, because we had Purim this week, I don't know to what extent anybody actually saw the sugya, let alone the maramakomos. Um, so we'll take some time just unpacking the Gemara itself, um, because um, I think that, 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 well, that's necessary for anything. Okay? Clear? Good? Okay, I'm going to note also, I have a Zoom I have to get to at 11.35, so I'm going to have to race to the Zoom room after, uh, after Shear. I apologize. I wish people a good Shabbos now. Um, so our Mishnah from the bottom of the Gimel and Aleph, if you take a look at Source Aleph on the sheets, I tried to reproduce and, uh, and break it down. The opening case is the one I just described. They see her talking to somebody, and they say to her, What is the nature of this man? And she says, And she says, He's a Kohen. So Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Eliezer, they say she is credible, and what we assume is that that means her yichus is okay. For the future, she wants to marry a Kohen. She is married to a Kohen. She can stay married to the Kohen. Maybe it has to do with her child uh, as well. Rabbi Yeshua says, as he is wont to say in the first parak, he says, why? We don't go based on what she says. We assume that she is like a woman who has lived with a Nasin Nesinim Givonim. People whose Jewish status is extremely questionable, a big discussion that's not for right now, or to a mamzer, until she can support her words. That's case number one in the Mishnah. Case number two in the Mishnah, the woman is pregnant. Fast forwarded from speaking to pregnancy. They ask her, what's the nature of this kid? It's from so and so the Kohen. Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Eliezer say, she is Credible. Rabbi Yeshua says, again, why? I wouldn't go based on what she has to say. She is Bechezgas Mubaris Lanasin Mamzer. We assume the kid comes from Nasin slash Mamzer, Ajitavi Raya Lidvareha, until she proves otherwise. The, um, that's the thing. It's very interesting that we bring um, Nasin and Mamzer. Like, of all the psulim you could have mentioned in the Mishnah, like, why, like maybe he's just not Jewish. Why, why did you bring me Nesinim, right? I mean, Nesinim are, are interesting in Tanakh, right? They float in and out of various stories. They may be in the Chumash, according to the Gemara. The Gemara sees them in the Chumash. We know that they're around in Yoshua's time. We know that they're around in David and Shlomo's time. Um, we know they're around in Ezra's time. Um, but, like, 
like, why in the world did you bring them up here? Right, so mom's there, all right. I can, I can understand why you bring mom's there, but like, nothing? What, what, what is nothing doing here? So the, um, the Shita Mekubetans actually explicitly says, if you take a look at source base, from Likute Gaonim, Hereza Bechezgas, etc., the Nasan the Mamzer, Perish, Upsula Lekahuna, and therefore she may not marry a, uh, a Kohen, Vitana Hachi, Vuhuadin Lashar Psulin. He says, the same thing is true for other Psulim. It's not just Nasan and Mamzer. You know, he says, go and Chalal, Shtuki, Asufi. He doesn't even mention Akum. <laughs> Chalal, Shtuki, and Asufi. It, gets, it just gets even better with our catalog of, uh, of odd, um, odd potential psulim. Um, so why, why did we mention Nasin and Mamzer? So two answers. One from the Pnei Yoshua. Pnei Yoshua in Soiz Gimel says, You mentioned Nas and Mamzer, you did not mention Akum and Eved. That would have been better. He says, you know, most people are not Jewish. I think that's still true. Um, the answer is because talking about what her daughter's status is going to be, the, um, we are saying that the daughter is going to be Asura to marry anybody because she may be a, uh, a Mamzeres. We want to disqualify the daughter from marrying into the Kahal. And he says, we have a principle, which Rabbi Yeshua may believe in, of Akum Ve'eved Abav Asisrael of Vlad Kasher. That in fact, if, it was, if the guy wasn't Jewish, her kids still would be Kasher. We want a Psul that is going to disqualify the daughter from marrying in, so therefore we mention us in Mamzer. That's the um, that's the Pnei Yoshua's answer. Rabbi Kiva Eger um, gives what I think is a a clearer answer, um, in which he says, "No, we davka went for the esoteric disqualification. We went for the one who you never see around, because our point is to say Rabbi Yoshua is concerned, even for a minority possibility, not just the possibility this guy is not Jewish, which." you know, just roll the dice and the odds are he's not Jewish. But even for a case that is a minority possibility, like Nassim and Mamzer, that's what I brought you in Dalit. You see the part I bolded, Opta Nassim and Mamzer, Bavade Havi Miyuta. Sorry? No, that was part of his question. That was part of his question was, hey, wait a minute, why didn't you bring the one that's Rove? And his answer is not to say, to show Rabbi Yeshua is concerned about Miut. His answer was to say, I wanted a psul that's going to disqualify the boss. That was Rabbi Yeshua's answer. His, in his question, he pointed it out as part of the question, why didn't you bring it? Yeah. The, um, so that's the, the those, are, those are two approaches. It's a side note, but I thought that was an interesting thing. So the first case in our Mishnah was talking about this um, the uh, the woman who is seen talking to a Kohen, and the question fundamentally seems to be about her future ability to marry a Kohen, although it will have ramifications in the discussion for the ch- her child as well, as we see, as we have seen. The second case, the case of the woman who is Mi'uberes, who is pregnant, there the focus is squarely on the daughter's status um, going forward. Clear? Good? Okay. So the Gemara wants to know why Rabbi Yeshua is so skeptical about her marriageability. I mean, she was talking. You know, I mean, how, like, it's one thing if you tell me that she was, I don't know, she was in a pizza store, Matai Shabbos, and there were, there were males there. Now I understand, you have a suffix about, about marriageability going forward. But, but just talking to somebody, that's going to cause you a suffix. So, that went like, wait a minute. 
a little dry. Okay. I thought it was the, uh, Thank you. So, um, so if you um, if you take a look in the uh, in the Gemara here, back in source Aleph, Gemara, my medaberes. The um, what do you mean when you say speaking? So the Iri Omar Nistera. Ziiri says it doesn't mean that she was talking to a guy. It means that she was alone with the guy. Rav Asi Amar Niv Allah. Rav Asi says, no, we actually saw Yichud. The, uh, we saw Yichud. We saw, we, we saw that Bia took place. There were actual relations between him and her. That's the way that Rav Asi says it. If you look in source, hey, this is just because I gave this um, in my, uh, my Gemara Shir on Shabbos. Uh, whenever it was that we did Dafya Gimel, um, and uh, and I had made a neat little table there, so I figured, hey, might as well reproduce the table here. Um, so uh, it's in uh, it's in source. Hey, according to Ziiri, who said that the case is Nistera, there are really two machlokos, meaning. Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua, I'm, I'm skipping Rabbi Eliezer, because everyone who does this does. They always say Rabbi Gamliel versus Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Eliezer is just along for the ride. But, um, but Rabbi Gamliel is going to say she's kosher, whether it's a Yichud case or whether it's a Bia case. Either way. Rabbi Yeshua, on the other hand, within Ziiri's read, is going to disqualify in both cases, both the Yichud case and the Bia case. In other words, if you take Ziiri's view that, that Medaberes meant Yichud, we take it as a given that the same positions will apply even on Bia. Rabbi Gamliel will not fold. In other words, Rabbi Gamliel will not say, in the Yichud case, I trust her. But if I know that Bia took place, then I'm all gonna go, I'm gonna go with Rabbi Yoshua. He doesn't say that. Rabbi Gamliel still is going to, um, is still going to, going to hold the line. Whereas Rav Asi says, no, the whole machlokas is only in the Bia case. It's only in the event of Nivala. The, um, on the other hand, if there was Yichud, he's going to go with Rabbi Gamliel. He'll agree with Rabbi Gamliel, then we, uh, then we, we trust her. That's clear in the Rishonim on the Gemara. I just brought it um, thinking that that might be uh, a helpful way to visualize things. So then the Gemara brings two challenges to Rav Asi's lenient view. Right? Ravasi is the Mekil. That's a good way to think about it. Ravasi is the Mekil. He's the one who says that in a case of Yichud, um, it doesn't change the Chazaka. It's only in a case of Bia that the Chazaka is challenged. And yes, it's true, Idan. The, um, every Kula here is a Chumra somewhere else. Nonetheless, he is the Mekil. So, um, so Ravasi says Yichud doesn't change the Chazaka. So the Gemara says, Bishlam alazi'iri hainu diksani medaberes. I understand within Ziiri why the Mishnah uses the language of Medaberes. That's what the Gemara says. I'm going to come back to that. Elala Ravasi, my Medaberes. Ravasi, you believe it's talking about Bia. Why did you say Medaberes in the Mishnah if you meant Bia? Logical question. Lishna Ma'alya. And the answer is we want to use better language. We don't want to use language like that. Granted, in the Gemara, we have to in order to explain the halacha. Nonetheless, in the world of our Mishnah, Rabbi Yudah Hanasi, we're going to be pure with our language. We're going to say, Medaberes, and everybody's just going to understand that that's what it means. Kiddech Sivan, he quotes you a pasuk from Mishlei. Achlo machsapia va'amr la'fo'alti oven. She eats 
And she wipes her mouth and she says, I haven't done anything wrong. And that Pasuk, you have to know the beginning of the Pasuk, right? This is a Pasuk in Mishle Paraglamet. So the beginning of the Pasuk is, Kain derech isha mena efes. This is the way of a woman who is involved in Neof, who is involved in adultery. So the way of the adulteress is, she eats, she wipes her mouth, and she says, I didn't do anything wrong. And it's clear that that's a reference to Tashmish. That's a reference to what it was that she did that was, uh, that was incorrect. So the Gemara reads this, the, uh, I'm reading this just straight as a challenge just to Rav Asi. And the question is, Rav Asi, if you meant Nivala, why did you say Medaberis? And the answer is, we said Medaberis because we were using a euphemism. It's a positive way to, uh, or not positive exactly, but it's a, it's a, it's a better way to frame it. How exactly did you draw that from this Pasuk? What did this Pasuk show you? The Pasuk didn't show you that speech equals Bia. Right? The Pasuk ta- taught you that eating is Bia. So what, what is the Gemara doing by bringing this Pasuk from Mishlei? I am very into Mishlei these days, but like I don't understand what what did, what did you accomplish by bringing this puzzle from Mishlei? How did the, what how did this answer the question? I mean, it's still euphemism, no? Achla minacha. Right. So one way to uh, to take this is to say the um, that it's teaching me the concept of euphemism, right? That's that's the the idea. But that's not the way Rashi goes. If you see Rashi, I brought it in Vav. Achla machsapiha. That tells me that Tashmish could be called Achila. That's what I'm getting out of it. Tashmish could be called Achila. It has nothing to do with, um, with teach me euphemism. It's Tashmish could be In which case, I don't understand. What do you mean? So where's the Dibor, um, aspect of this? The, um, how did that, uh, you know, how, how did that play in? So there's a, a sefer I found on Otzachachma called Pardes Yitzchak, Rav Yaakov Yitzchak Gordon, who offers two ideas. He says, either it's what Rav Jared wanted to say, and I just gave you bullet points summing him up in Sor Zion. Either it's what Rav Jared wanted to say, which is that just like you can use irrelevant, clean language of Achila in Mishle, so too we can use irrelevant, clean language of Dibur in, uh, in our Mishnah. That's one. Alternatively, he says, Achila and Dibur are both mouth-related, and maybe that's what it's, uh, maybe that's what it's trying to teach me. So the um, so that's what our, our Gemara accomplished. Are there another set of Marmakomas back there, or, or are we out? Oh, you have. Okay, great. Yeah, sure. Why don't we need a proof to show that we can use like euphemism? Isn't that something that's established already? Oh, we have a puzzle that uses a euphemism. Why is that a thing you need to prove? Hmm. So Shua asks, why don't we just say, well, euphemisms are, every, you know, everybody has euphemisms. What's the, uh, you know, why, why do I need a pasuk to demonstrate it? Well, if you're going to say that this euphemism is directly connected, right, by the mouth orientation of it, according to the Pardes Yitzchak, then it actually does make sense. You bring not just that we use euphemisms, but that we have a euphemism that, that is similar to the one here. But if you're going to say it's this general one, it's an interesting question. I'm going to come back to something that may address that a little bit um, when I talk about the difference between Lishna Ma'alia and Lashonaki. So that may sort of address it, but I think it's a good question. The other question you have to ask is, what about within Ravasi? 
right? The, um, meaning, the, I mean, sorry, not within Ravasi. Why didn't you just say Nistara? Not, not within, this is all, the whole thing is within Ravasi. If you're telling me, the Ravasi believes that the Mishnah means Nivala, right? And it just said Medaberes. So why didn't it say Nistara? Why didn't you say Yichud? So Shidi Mekubet says, gives the answer that I would have given, for Kivanti, um, in, uh, in Source Ches. He says, Why did you take language that is so remote from Nivala? You took Dibor. Um, you should have said Yichud. And then we would have explained Nistra means Nivala. Because that's not what we would have done. If the Mishnah said Yichud, we would have assumed it meant Yichud. In other words, you told me Rabbi Yoshua doesn't trust her when you see her speaking to somebody. You knew that couldn't possibly be the case. That doesn't make any sense. So you said, what does it mean? Oh, it means Nivala. Oh, it means Yichud. But if the Mishnah said, if she's alone with a guy, Rabbi Yeshua already challenges her yichus, you would have said, oh, I can understand that. And therefore, you wouldn't have gone the step of leading to a Lishna Ma'alia discussion. I think that's the straightforward answer. Rav Yaakov Yitzchak Gordon, in his Pardes Yitzchak, though, gives a, uh, another answer, which I brought you here in Source Test, which was interesting. He says, the answer may be because Nistara isn't really nice language either. Saying that she was alone with a guy, which the Torah prohibits, right, is also not good language. And he brings you in his Ha'ara, which I also brought you in Tess, he brings you support for this that the Ran seems to think that uh, the Ran is a problem because the Ran says that the question is also for, for Ze'iri and that it didn't want to say Nistara, it said Medaberis as Lishnama Alia for him. So it used Medaberis rather than say Nistara, showing that the Ran actually seems to believe that Nistara is not nice language either. So, so far so good. Right? We have a Mishnah in which we're telling you, we're telling, we're saying that again, she was seen speaking to a guy. The, um, that resulted in Rabbi Yeshua saying, I call into question her Yichus. We said it doesn't mean talking to, it either means yichud or it means bia, depending on ziiri or, uh, or ravasi. And Ragamuel says, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, we, we trust her, we're fine. We then get a second question in the Gemara. So go back to source Aleph, and we ask question number two, where it says bishlama, the second bishlama. Bishlama le ziiri hainu diksani tarti medaberes uberes. I'm fine if I take Ze'iri's view. Again, Ze'iri is the one who says we only challenge her, Rabbi Yishu only challenges her if there was actual Bia. So I understand why you need two cases in the Mishnah. No, I'm sorry, Ze'iri was the other way. Ze'iri said, is the one who said Rabbi Yishu challenges her even if she's alone with the guy. So now I understand why you have two cases in the Mishnah. Midaberis is the first case, that's Yichud. Umi'uberis, she's pregnant, obviously there was Bia in the second case. That makes perfect sense. But according to Rav Asi, why do I need two cases? What is this, what, what's your second case about? So the answer is what we already assumed earlier. The second case is really about the daughter's 
status. It's not about the mother's status. So the first case was, there was Bia, what's her status? And the second case is, there was Bia, and now there's a kid, and what is the status of this, um, of this child? Now, the Gemara on Yud Gimel Bays has a discussion. If you accept her, do you automatically accept the daughter? So you have to introduce that here. That's fine if you take the view that by accepting her, you automatically accept the daughter. So the debate in our first case is about her, right? Separate from the uh, the daughter discussion. It could be that you puzzle the daughter and accept... It could be that you um, puzzle the mother and accept the daughter. But if you say that according to the one who says the mother is kosher, the daughter is still no good, so then why do you need two different cases? It's just kosher puzzle on the mother and the daughter's puzzle anyway. So the answer is, Ravasi doesn't take that view. Ravasi takes the view that if she's good, then the daughter is good um, as well. One thing that's interesting here um, in this discussion um, why did we say daughter instead of son? Right? Why did we say bita instead of saying bina? What about the son? What about the son's status? No. No, it's not, though. And frankly, in Lashon HaMishnah, they generally default to the male. Why did we default to the female? So two answers. The Ritva says, you're right. If you take a look at, the Ritva is in Yudalaf. I'm skipping that Rashi. It's, it's just a point about the daughter lacking the Cheskes Kashrus of the mother, but I'm not going there right now. The, um, but the Ritva says, you're right, in source Yudalaf. The fact that we mentioned the daughter, we didn't mention the son to say that if the son lives with a woman, she will not be disqualified for kahuna. The answer is because we want to make a parallel between the mother's disqualification and the child's disqualification. The mother and daughter are together. The son is a different story altogether. Meaning, the mother's disqualification would have been for her to marry a Kohen afterwards or to stay married to a Kohen. The daughter's disqualification would have been for her to marry, to marry a, uh, a Kohen. The son would not be ushered to marry a Koheness. The only question would be, if he was with a woman, is she eligible to kahuna after that? That's the answer of the, uh, of the Ritva. The, um, the Shittim Kubatzes brings the Gaonim to say, no, it's not true. It's only the daughter. And this speaks to a point which we're going to come back to later on, I hope, which is some of what we're going to do here for her child is because it's a Rahmanus for the kid. Meaning, we want to find ways to be machshir the child because the child is going to be stuck if we don't do that. And that's relevant, really, for the daughter, not for the son. The son will always have options. Take a look at the Shittim Kibetzes in your base. It mentions daughter, it doesn't mention son. Because the son doesn't really need your help. Let's say the guy she was with was in fact a Nussin and, you know, now that's a mess. Not the Nussin, not Nussin and Mamzer, the other cases. 
So let's say the guy she was with was not Jewish. So, mutter af kohenes. The son can still marry a kohenes. And he quotes you the Gemara in Kiddushin to that effect. Av bas, but if it's a daughter, kevin shi chalala o giores o shivcha mishukhreres asura la kohen kin mefarish hasam. Whereas she, the daughter, would have a problem marrying a kohen. So we want to show the ability to help out the daughter. That's what we want here. That's what the uh, Shittim Kubetzah says. Okay. The, um, so again, I, I keep going back through this because I realize that a lot of the people here didn't see the, uh, the Gemara this week, so I hope it's not too slow for those who did see the Gemara this week. But, um, but again, we have our basic machlokis in the Mishnah. You saw her midaberes, which we now know doesn't mean midaberes. It either means yichud or depending on Ziri or Ravasi. Rabbi Yeshua says, I don't accept it. The, uh, I don't accept her word that the guy was okay. Rabbi Gamliel says, I do accept her word that the, uh, that the guy was okay. Last bit of the Gemara back in Source Alp. Last two lines. Amalei Rav Papa Papa challenges and he says, if you take the view of Ziri that Midaberes um, that talking means Yichud, and Rabbi Yeshua says, we don't believe her. We have a principle that says that in the event that a woman is alone with a man other than her husband, there are malkos, but we don't prohibit her to her husband. So how can you tell me that in our Mishnah, we're saying that indeed, that indeed she would be a surah to the husband? Lema Talok Rabbi Yeshua? Is Rav against Rabbi Yeshua? Could be. But he gives a different answer. He says, Afilu Tema Rabbi Yeshua, Maila Asu Biyuchsin. The answer is that Rabbi Yeshua will say, what we're talking about is a special issue for the sake of Yichus. And what we mean by that is, Rav is Mekil, not to prohibit her to her current husband. But if she wants to marry somebody else after that, Rob will agree we're not going to allow a marriage to somebody else after that for whom she would be disqualified. She's married right now to a Kohen. She can stay married to the Kohen. But you want to marry a Kohen afterwards? That we're not going to allow. That's a special level which even Rob will, will agree with. And that the Gemara will continue from there, but that's, that's all that we need for, for our discussion here. Yeah, Michael. Right, so you're taking the view of Ladivri Hamachshir Ba, Machshir Avita. Right. So. Right. Right. So, so Michael's asking the question of what's the logic in Machshir Ba, um, Machshir Ba Avita? You accept her? Why would you disqualify the daughter? He's already giving the partial answer that the mother has a chazaka, which the daughter does not. That's the Rashi that I skipped. The, uh, that's always the one you skip. The, um, but Rashi in Source Yud um, is the one who, uh, who tells you that. But there's, but, yeah. So we may get to this next week. 
We might. I'm, not, I, I'm still not sure where, which direction I'm going in next week. Um, but that might be part of the part of the conversation. Right now, we have, we have Sarah Bishaita. Um, but uh, it's, it's a good question. Okay, so we, we, we've, we've unpacked the Gemara to some extent. I want to go back to Rabbi Gamliel first and understand, Rabbi Gamliel, you're willing to tell me, especially within the view of Rav Asi, right? You're willing to tell me that in the event that I saw a woman having Bia with an unknown man, and she tells me, yeah, but he's a Kohen, I'm just going to accept that, just like that? No questions asked? So that's, that's what I want to understand. The, um, what's, what's that about? Arsugya did not mention anything about requiring any sort of rogue sherin, right, in the local population. Arsugya said he believes her. That was it. However, there's more to the Gemara than Arsugya. If you take a look at source Yud Gimel, the Gemara in Yudaladam at base, Mishnah there. Story happened that a girl, Rahman al was raped by a well. So Amr Yochanan bin Nuri Imrov said that if the majority of locals are of Yichus such that they could marry a Kohen, she can marry a Kohen. This is not the biggest headache on her list right now. The um, but like we've said over and over again all year long, we're dealing with legal ramifications, not what happens in real life. So the question is, what is her status? The answer is, she is able to marry a Kohen per Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. So the Gemara says, if, sorry, if the majority are of proper yichus. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. That doesn't fit Rabbi Gamliel, and it doesn't fit Rabbi Yoshua. Amar le Rav of Nachman, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri damar keman. Rav says to Rav Nachman, I don't understand Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. Ik Rav Gamliel afilu b'robsulanami machsher. If he's like Rabbi Gamliel, no rov required. Rabbi Gamliel didn't say anything about rov. It's fine even without a rov. Ik Rabbi Yoshua afilu b'rov k'sherem nami pasiel. And if it's Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua didn't believe her anyway. He didn't say anything about rov either. He doesn't believe her if there is a rov. He doesn't believe her if there isn't a rov. So how do I understand what Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri is doing? Now, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri is a Tana. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri is a third position. But that's not our assumption walking in, is that he's either going to be Rabbi Gamliel or he's going to be Rabbi Yoshua. That's what we, um, that's what we want to know. What did Rabbi Gamliel actually require? Anything? Source Yadalad. Rashi says no. The Islay Hamid Isha al Kasa. Rabbi Gamliel just needs Chazaka. Now, Tosus doesn't think Rashi is correct. Um, if you take a look at Tosos in, in Tesvav, on this Kemani, Gamliel, right? The, um, so he actually ends up saying that's not true. I'm jumping to the part that I bolded, the last line in Source Tesvav. That's actually an or, not an and. Rabbi Gamliel requires more than just her say-so. He requires either that it be a Tanas Bari, she has to be saying definitively, right, go back to Bari Vashema, she has to be saying definitively, this man had Kasher Yichus, or Amigo. What's your Amigo? There were no witnesses to the rape. She was the one who stepped forward and acknowledged it on her own, and therefore she is credible because she could have just as easily pretended nothing ever happened. 
the, that's what's, um, that, that's what's allowing for this. We're going to see more about what Rabbi Gamaliel wants. We have more to say about what Rabbi Gamaliel wants and this difference between Rashi and Tosos. Rashi says it's just Chazaka. Tosos says no, it's Chazaka plus Bari or Migo. But the point for our discussion here in this Gemara Yudalad and Mbeis is that Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri doesn't seem like Rabbi Gamliel because he requires a rove. And nobody said Rabbi Gamliel required a rove. And Rabbi Yoshua disqualified even when there was a rove. So it's not Rabbi Yoshua. So what happens? So Rav Nachman answers, Amar Lei, Hachi Amar of Yehuda Amar Rav. He says, I'll tell you what Rabbi Yehuda said, quoting Rav. This was an actual story. Bekarono shal tzipari hayamaisa. This happened when the caravans, the wagons, were in Sipori, and there was a two-part rove. There was a two-part rove. What do you mean? You had the rove of the locals, and you had the rove of the travelers. I'm not going to read through the rest of the Gemara. I brought it there for you on the sheet, but that's a simplified statement. You had the rove of the locals being kosher, and you had rove of the travelers being kosher, and therefore you have Trey Ruby. Tell me something, having read this. Is this Rabbi Gamliel or Rabbi Yoshua? When you say this story with Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri happened and there were two roves, was that Rabbi Gamliel or Rabbi Yoshua? So Rashi says this Rabbi Yoshua. Yes, precisely. Take a look at Rashi and Source Tezai and Amr Lehachi Amar, etc. La Olam Kareb Yoshua. Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri agrees with Rabbi Yoshua that normally we do not accept her word. But here you add the double rove and therefore it's kasher. In other words, Rabbi Gamliel doesn't require anything. Rabbi Gamliel is fine the way he is. Maybe Tos was throwing in Rabbi Gamliel requiring Bari Migo. Fine. Rabbi Gamliel is here. And Rabbi Yeshua is not quite as extreme as I thought. Rabbi Yeshua will believe her if there are two roves supporting her. We've nudged Rabbi Yeshua a little closer to Rabbi Gamliel. That's one way to take this. That's why Rashi takes it. That's why Tamid Rabbi Yona take it. We're going to have to come back to this and see another way to take it. But that's 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 an approach. Okay. What's the benefit of a double rove? Why do two roves help you? Why does it, okay, let's add one rope. Consider, I had a situation in which the, um, there were no caravans. It was a local community. There's only one rope. However, I know from the last census that we did that 97% of the men in town are kosher. Rabbi Shu is going to say, too bad, you only have one rope. Whereas, in the last sentence, in the last census, the local population was 60% kosher. And then there's a caravan that comes through, and they are 60% kosher. And Rabbi Yeshua is going to say, okay, we believe her now. What? Why is two roves any better than one rove? Tell me you need a certain percentage. What is double rove? What is that about? So if David Povarsky asks this question, and in, uh, in Shura ben David to, uh, to Ksuvos, he says, it's not like Sveka. Right? So take a look in your design. It's even bazet. Ma mosif hadika trerube. Habarova your gufe a nafkamina imu rove gadol o katan. Right? Within the city, I don't care if it's 60% or if it's 90%. Da filum yesh echad yosi mechza. He says, even if it's just one over the midpoint. Yeshlo oso din rove. 
It's a hernia rov. Just like if it's 98%. Then again, my motive, my mashiach, od anashim shall hasia. So, so, for a nichness to the irvinous arbusham, babalakilu, sheyesh, yosar anashim beer asm, mighty fusa de toy ruby. And then he brings the answer, which I know instinctively is in everyone's head, which is it's specs faker. Right? That's your assumption. It's gotta be specs faker. But he says it's not. Ubri shonim kasfu, the hobby we didn't specs faker. The Rishonim said it's a specs faker, right? Maybe the guy from the caravan is fine. Maybe if the guy's local, it's fine. But that doesn't, that doesn't work either. He says, Sarachiyan to Hashem Ones Chadhu. The rapist is one guy. The, the question is, Safik Echad, is he kasher or is he puzzle? It isn't, it isn't a specs faker. So, in order to answer this question, you have to know the Gemara on Daftes Vav. The, um, which I don't think I brought you in the interest of time. I didn't bring it. But the Gemara in Taftes Vav says that we require the rove of the city in addition to the rove of the caravans, right? And then the Gemara asks, that shouldn't be necessary because anybody who was in the caravan left the caravan to be with her and you should say, call the parish merua parish. That's the Gemara's question on Daftes Vav. To which the Gemara answers, yes, but we want the rove of the city also because otherwise people will rely on just one rove when the guy is from the city, when it's Kavua. So in order to avoid a situation in which people rely on a single rove that's Kavua, we require that you use the double rove. That's the Gemara there. So Rav David Pavarsky says that's what's going on. He says the whole requirement of a double rove is just a gzera de Rabbanon, lest they require on a sing, lest they rely on a single ineligible rove, the kavua one. Imkain, bekeagavnadikatrerube lo gazu. So where you have a double rove, they're not gonna now make a gzera further. There, it's enough with that, but we get there be almost gzera de Rabbanon. That's his, uh, his suggestion. They didn't make the gzera where you have a, uh, a double rove. Michael, you look perplexed. Ah, so, right, so, so he is not going within Rashi's view that our sugya is Rabbi Yeshua. He's going with where I'm gonna go next with it, which is not, it's not Rabbi Yeshua, correct. Correct. Rabbi Yeshua would look at one robe and say, what, what's that about? Correct. So, I think, maybe there's a way to read it with Rabbi Yeshua also, I don't know. But that, right now what we've said is that the, um, that there is an idea of requiring a double robe which we have put as Rabbi Yoshua's approach, according to Rashi. And according to this, Rabbi Gamliel does not require the, uh, the double rove. However, here we go, because the Rambam disagrees. The Rambam, as explained by the Magi Mishnah and the Kesef Mishnah, says, no, this is Rabbi Gamliel talking. This is not Rabbi Yoshua talking. Major practical ramifications. The, um, the, uh, there are two different statements in the Rambam. Take a look, please, at Source Yudches. Rambam in Yisrael Bia Tesvav Yud Aleph Penuya Shenis Abra Miznus. You have a woman who is a single woman and she becomes pregnant. Amrula Mahu Uberze Ohayaludaze. They asked her, "What's the fetus's status?" Or the kid is born. What's the kid's status? Im Amra Ben Kasher Hu Uli Yisrael Niv Alti. If she says the father is a Kasher guy, Harizu Neemenes Va Ben Kasher. She's believed the kid's fine. Even 
even though most of the people are apostles. So according to this Rambam, the kid is kosher, no rove required. Right? That's straightforward. The kid is kosher, no rove required. That's what it says explicitly in this in this Rambam. But then you look at source Yates, the other Rambam. We saw that a single woman was involved with a guy. The guy left. We don't know anything about him. We say, who's the guy? She says he's kasher. She is believed. Not only that. Even if we saw her pregnant and we asked her, who's the guy? And she said, Adam Kasher, she's Ne'eman. So far, so good, right? No rove required, no rove needed, just like in, uh, in Source Yudches. Tezvav Yud Aleph and Yudches Yud Gimel are in conversation with each other and they're just fine. But then you get the next halacha. When is that true? It's where she was out at some crossroads or out among the wagons and most of the people there were kosher. And most of the people in the city from which they came were kosher. We require a double rove. Where did the Rambam throw in this double rope from? Where did that come from? I, I don't understand what happened. Why is it that when it came to, to, to this, he threw in the double rope? And going back to Surah Sirches, why is Rambam lenient for the child who doesn't have the chazaka that the mother has? Right? The child doesn't have a chazaka. So why is he make up for the child in Surah Sirches? Why is he requiring a double rope in, uh, in Yudtes? What, what is it that happened here? So the Magid Mishnah explains. He says, the, um, and this goes back to what I said before about needing to take care of this child when we talked about Bina versus Bita. Take a look at Source Chaf. Magid Mishnah explains. He says, He says, I'd like to just get the Rambam straight first. Who's so there? He says, even for the single woman who says it was a kosher guy, we say that the um, the kid is fine. Even if most of the people are possible, that is to take care of the kid. Even though the kid has no chazkas kashrus. Because the really letter of the law, she is believed. We are not machmir for the kid. Because then he'd be stuck. That would be the result. We don't want to do that to the kid. So since letter of the law, she's credible, I'm not going to go requiring fancy robes. That's the statement. It's reminiscent of the Gemara in Kiddushin, Pe'alaf Amadalaf which we actually quoted tangentially before, in which Rob says that we will not prohibit a woman who was alone, right? We won't prohibit her to her husband if she was alone with somebody else, but we'll give Malkos. And Rav Ashi said, we will not do Malkos if she's married. We don't do Malkos for a Pnuya. Why not if she's married? Because we don't want to do things that are going to make things difficult for her kid to get married. We don't want to mess things up for the kid. We don't want to create a, uh, a problem for the uh, child. So we're, we, we do things to deliberately help her kid. 
even though you could come back to me and say, well, wait a minute, maybe there really was something wrong. Maybe there's something wrong with you. Maybe this kid is a mom's there now. No, we just keep everything quiet. We don't give malchus. We don't want to let anybody know. We don't do anything. We want to, we want to save the kid. That's the Gemara in Kiddushin. And that's what's informing what the Rambam is saying in Source Yerches. The Rambam is saying when it comes to the, to the child, no rove required. Clear? The, um, no rove required for the child. What about requiring a double rove for her? Where did that double rove Come from where? Where did that double row requirement? Yeah, where, where did that originate? Says the Magen Mishnah, because the Rambam thinks that this is Rabbi Gamliel talking. He thinks the sugi is Rabbi Gamliel. If you take a look at source Chav Beis, Magen Mishnah continues. Ava behi atzma, but for her, Ava pisha din kain shehina emenas afilu barov psulin. Even though letter of the law, she is believed, even if the majority of people are possible. Vim nisis lekohen loteitze. If she marries a kohen, she can stay married to a kohen. Ava pichain lechatchila lotinasi lekohen ala betrayrube lechatchila. We don't want her to marry a kohen unless she has the double rove. Umayla asu biyuchsen lechatchila. This is the special step we took for yichos v'harayesh latakana. She has something that can be done to to help her out. Shalok mobita I added in, unlike the daughter. Shetinasi liyisrael. And he says the Rambam says is based on our Gemara as well as on one other Gemara. Take a look at the next paragraph. The first part of the paragraph is the quote of our Gemara that we read about the uh, about the Machlokas Rabbi Gamliel and uh, and Rabbi Yeshua. But then he quotes the Gemara in Daf Yudalit. Ubi Gemara, Amar leShmuel Rabbi Yehuda Shinana Halacha Rabbi Gamliel Vaatlo Taved Uvda Ad Deika Rov Ksherin Etzla. That's the key. Shmuel says to Rabbi Yehuda, "I want a rove. I think you need to have a rove." So he's, so Shmuel already says that per Rabbi Gamliel, we need a rove lechatchila, and Maila asibayuchsin, we really want treirube, we want the double rove from the, uh, the Gemara, and this is all Rabbi Gamliel, and the Rambam is following Rabbi Gamliel. That's the way the Magid Mishnah says it. If you want a summed up version of that, I feel so bad for anyone who didn't see the Gemara, because this has to be a complete and total, like, whirlwind. But, um, but take a look at Source Chav Gimel. Look at the Kesef Mishnah. He says it succinctly. On that halacha in which the Rambam said that the Pnuya, the, uh, the single woman is gonna be okay, but I want a double rove, he quotes you, Harav Magid, the Magid Mishnah. He says, Mashma desvirule de chishani Rav Yehuda bakonash at Sipore hayamaisa. When Rav Yehuda said it was in the wagons in Sipore, lo okume lo Rav Yochanan benuri karabagam liyahu deshani hachi. That was, because he said Rabbi Yochanan Benuri is like Rabbi Gamliel. Udalo Karashi, Shapirish Rabbi Yeshua Mokim Lai, unlike Rashi's read. Vechricham Lafarish Kane, Kihechid Lo Tikshi, Hilchasa, Hilchasa, De Evsika, Hilchasa, Begamarak Rabbi Gamliel, Vader Evsika, Hilchasa, Krabiosia, Liba Drabi Yochanan Benuri. He says you have to say that. Because our Sugya is like Rabbi Gamliel over Rabbi Yeshua. We do believe her, we said. But in the Rabbi Yochanan Benuri case, with the wagons of Tsipori, we said we require a double rove, and we paskin like Rabbi Yossi explaining Rabbi Yochanan Benuri, or quoting Rabbi Yochanan Benuri. So you're paskinning like Rabbi Gamliel that no rove is required. You're paskinning like Rabbi Yochanan Benuri that two roves are required. What did you do? The answer is, Rabbi Gamliel really wants a double rove, l'chatchila. Even though Minhadin he doesn't require it, l'chatchila, he does want it. That's the idea. So, according to Rashi, Rabbi Yeshua requires a double rove. 
Rabbi Gamliel requires nothing. According to, uh, at least, you know, Rashi, uh, you know, within Rashi's read that it's Chazaka, as opposed to Tosas's read that Rabbi Gamliel wants Bari Yermigo. According to the Rambam, Rabbi Yossi Hagli, I'm sorry, according to the Rambam, Rabbi Gamliel says, L'chatchila, double rove. Bidiyavid, you don't need a rove. And again, maybe he requires Migo slash Bari. Is that clear? The conclusion should be clear, not how we got here for the last, you know, 47 minutes, but, but that part. The, um, one other Rishon camp, Ramban and Rashba, just very, very quickly, brought in the Magad Mishnah in Source Chavdalad. Vedaz HaRamban Zalva HaRashba Zal, Maskemes Lediva Rabbeinu B'chom HaShikasav. He says, Ramban and Rashba follow the Rambam. Chutz Mimashi Hitzrich Betoenes Trey Rube Lechatchila, except for the Rambam requiring double robe as a Lechatchila. Shehem Zal Sovrin Debechad Ruba Sagi Vafilu Lechatchila. They say one robe is sufficient, like what Shmuel said. Right? Shmuel said to have Yehuda, I want you to have a robe. That he wants. The Chad Ruba Sagi, even Lechatchila. Kahid Shmuel, the Amr Adika Rove Kshir, and that's level. A boy, Trey Rube, he didn't require a double robe, he said one robe. Well, Shmuel's pretty good. The Vesugyan, the Bina Trerubi, he b'she'ena to'enes. Then why do we have a Gemara that says you need a double rove? That's talking about where she doesn't say anything. Not where she, she's not claiming bari. Velochilku, b'ena to'enes, b'ena chatchilu l'diyeved. So Ramban and Rashba say, if she speaks up, she says he's a kasher, I just need one rove. She doesn't say anything, then I need two roves. So I gave you a table in Chavhei, just a, uh, a quick summary of, uh, of what we have here. The, um, in terms of her status, right, you see there the three columns, Rashi, Rambam, and Ramban Rashba. So in terms of her status, Rashi says she has a chazaka. This is all within Rabbi Gamliel's view, not Rabbi Yeshua's view. The, um, so she has the chazaka, and there is no need for a, a double rove. That's the way Rashi reads Rabbi Gamliel. The Rambam's read is that Rabbi Gamliel says if she is claiming bari, you need a double rove lechatchila, um, and only lechatchila. If she's not claiming bari, you need a double rove even bidiyevet. And then the Ramban and the Rashba say if she's claiming bari, you need one rove. If she's not claiming bari, you need two roves, and it's true lechatchila or bidiyevet. In terms of the daughter's status, Rashi and the Ramban and the Rashba have not said anything clear. They, um, I assume Rashi would say you, you, that, that you don't need it for the daughter, just like you don't need it for the mother. But I don't know that. The Rambam is the only one we have who has spoken to the daughter's status. But why would you say that about Rashi? Um, just because we really want to be makeup for the daughter. The argument in response would be that she doesn't have a chazaka. That's, I assume, why you're asking. Yeah. The Shulchan Aruch brings the, um, the read of the Rambam as the dominant view. I didn't bring it on the sheet, but it's Evan Ezer Vav Yud Zayin. Um, so it brings um, the, the way the Magad Mishnah and Kesef Mishnah explain the Rambam. That's what it brings as the main view. And it brings the Ramban Rashba as the Yesh Omrim. That's the, uh, the Shulchan Aruch's read. Good. Okay, we can still we can still get to the last issue, or at least some of it. We're not going to complete it, but we'll at least start on it. Back in the Gemara, what made Rabbi Yeshua so skeptical about her marriageability, right? 
the um, where she was talking, and we said it can't be that she's really just talking, or Rabbi Yeshua would not have been challenging her her marriageability. So we had the machlokes between Ziiri and Ravasi, right? Like we said in the beginning, like the table that I brought you on the first side. Ziiri said Rabbi Yeshua challenges her marriageability even if she was just alone with the guy. And um, Ravasi, on the other hand, says it's only if there was Bia. And then we challenged and we said, according to Rav Asi, why did the Mishnah say, Medaberes, if you meant Bia? And we brought Lishna Ma'alya as our answer. And we said it was just Rav Asi who was being challenged. However, it could be Ziiri who's also being challenged. Because Ziiri said the case in our Mishnah was not Medaberes. The case in the Mishnah was Yichud. According to you, Ziiri, why did the Mishnah use the word Medaberes? Right? Hello? Right? Why did, why did the Mishnah say Medaberes if it meant Yichud? So here you get the Rashash. In source, Chav Zayin, but he's building off of a Rashi in Tehillim, so I brought you the Rashi in Tehillim that he refers you to. Pasuk in Tehillim Yerches, Vayadber Amim Tachtai. Right, which I think a literal translation would usually render as he crushed nations beneath me. Could be he led nations beneath me. Look at Rashi in Source Chavav. Vayadber, not Vayadber, Vayadber. Vayaharog, he killed. Lashon Dever. Interesting. Lishnachrina, Kimo, Vayanheg or Vayanhag. He led them. Because where you know that um, when it comes to Targum, we do that. We translate Vayin Hag in Aramaic as Vidabar. Okay. So Rashash says, The Gemara only put this to Ravasi. It said, That Ziiri. So that means it was only a Ravasi question. That means Ziiri is okay with it saying Medaberes. Why? He says, Rashi's second approach to that Pasuk was to say, Vayadber means he led. So, so to here, Medaberes is really Madberes, effectively, not Medaberes, but Madberes, or Midube, I don't know, the Mudberes. The, um, it means that she was alone with him. Don't read Medaberis the way everybody reads it as talking. It means being led to be alone with, uh, to be alone with him. That's the Rashash's first answer. Second answer. Oh, Medaberis wrote Salomar divrei tiflus uznus de mistamahu beseser. He says maybe that's not what Medaberis means. Medaberis doesn't mean she was talking to him. It means that there was a lewd conversation going on, which we presume happens in private, and therefore we assume that there was Yichud. Very interesting leap. Very Rashash. The, um, but the Shidim Akubetes brings it from the Gaonim, so there. If you take a look at Surah Schavches, it didn't say Nistera explicitly. You could say Stira is Medaberes. They saw her speaking with him means they saw her speaking in private, not they saw her speaking on the street. That's the, uh, that's, that's the first um, that's the first approach here. 
the Ziri is not the subject of Agamara's question because the Ziri can read Medaberes as um, Yichud. That's clear, I hope. That's straight. Then the Rashash brings you a second answer, and I was hoping we would get to it, so we did, for sure. It won't answer you everything about what you were asking before, but that's okay, because at this point, I've forgotten exactly what you asked. The, um, but we'll see what he says here. He says it's a different kind of substitution. It's not that Ziri thinks the Mishnah is straight, and Rav Ashi thinks that the Mishnah is Lishna Ma'alia. Ziri thinks the Mishnah is using Lashonaki, which is different from, Lashon, from Lishna Ma'alia. Take a look at the Rashash. Actually, I'll say it outside because we have only four minutes. But you can see it on the Sheet and Chavtes. He says, Lashonaki, clean language, is where everybody knows what you mean from the speech itself. So like the Gemara that talks about the Torah going out of its way to say, Lo Tameh, right? Asher Einena Tehorah versus Tameh. I wrote it wrong in my notes. Einena Tehorah, instead of saying Tameh, right? Everybody knows what Einena Tehorah means. There's nothing vague about that. It means Tameh. So, so to here, Dibur implies speaking in private. So therefore, everybody knows what you were saying. Lishna Ma'alya, on the other hand, is a euphemism that is far from what you actually mean. He says it's like that opening sugya in Psachim that you do right in, in yeshiva when you're first starting to learn Gemara and, they, and you don't understand why we're spending three pages trying to figure out what Or means. The um, or and Laila are two different things, and I granted in the end we do the Urta thing, but the um, but the point is that that's Lishna Ma'alya. That's where you're using a different word that doesn't mean the same thing as this thing at all. It reminds me of what we use in the Gemara for someone who can't see, right? Lashon Sagi Nahor, like he has a lot of light. That's the opposite of what you meant. That's Lishna Ma'alya, and he bring yeah. No, I was saying, hmm. and he brings support for it. From Tosfos and Sota, because in the sugya there, the um, he actually tells you Perish Demas Nisan did Dibur Stirahu. He explains there in the Mishnah where they're talking about a man who says to his wife about you know don't talk to so and so. He saw her talking to so and so. He says talking there is being alone, and that's implicit in the language of Kinoi that's there. And he says Lashon Naki. Who? He uses the word naki. It's even clearer in the Yerushalmi. The Yerushalmi in Sota, in Source Lamed Aleph, which, again, time reasons is 1128. I'm not going to bring you here. But the, um, but the Yerushalmi in Sota is very, very clear. It says, Lasho naki hu masnisa. Our mission there about Kinoi and the guy saying if she's alone, if she's talking to the guy and so on, is explicit that, that it's a, it's a Lasho naki substitution. Um, so our Gemara didn't ask about Ziiri because it understood that his usage was Lashonaki, which was the um, which was clear speech. It was confused by the other view, Ravasi, that it's talking about being the, about Bia because that's not implied by Medaberes at all, and that was what it needed to actually question. I saw an article in I, I just gave you the title for it on you can find it online by a fellow. Um, Yisrael Baruch Ladyov um, in the Yeshiva in New Haven in Kovitz based David Shlomo where he has a whole long discussion he does not like this Rashash it's available on Otsar um, he takes issue with Rashash's distinction between Lashonaki and Lishna Ma'alia and he, I, I, actually I still have it back there I, 
honestly, he lost me after like five pages of this. But, um, but if anybody wants to see it, um, I'm happy to share it with you. What we still have to see, and we'll have to start with next time, is the Maharik. Um, the Maharik actually says Midaberis means lewd speech, and it's really important for creating the Isser, and there's a practical ramification to this issue. The case he's going to address is a case in which you have a woman who's married to a Kohen, and she's alone with him, with a non-Jew, she's alone with a non-Jew, very briefly, are you really telling me she's ushered to, the, to her husband now? The answer is no. And why not is going to be tied into the definition of midaberes and whether that's the Ali or not. So that will be what we come back to. But hopefully we got something um, from the uh, from the sugya, and I will hopefully send out, very hopefully send out, Mara Makamos, either Mitzvah Shabbos or Sunday for the, uh, for the week ahead. Shkoyach. Thank you very much. Have a good Shabbos. And I have to run.